Wise Up Texas podcast. Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan nonprofit empowering and educating Texas South Asians to be informed voters and partake in civic engagement. You can visit our website, wiseuptx.org, and find us on all social media platforms. This is Poonam Kaji, Wise Up Texas board member, and today's host. I want to remind you guys, uh, October 13th, early voting starts. Get out there, vote early, get it done. Um, if you can, do it in person. There's a few uh, ways that you can do a mail-in ballot, but those exceptions are pretty limited here in Texas. Uh, you can look at our Wise Up Texas materials to figure out if a mail-in ballot makes sense for you and your family members. Um, otherwise, get out there, go in person, wear your mask, uh, socially distance, and and do it and study your ballot. It, it will be a long ballot and you need to get all the way through it. So start working on that now. I'm very excited to introduce our next guest. We have with us today, candidate for US Congress, Sri Preston Kulkarni. He is running in the 22nd district. This is uh, suburbs of Houston, which include Sugarland, Pearland, Friendswood, Katy, Clear Lake. Um, these are all in Fort Bend County. This area is very much known for having a very diverse community, a strong South Asian presence. In fact, from um, recent census data, it's 19% Asian. Um, so very diverse district. In fact, Sri and I were just talking that this district is 60% uh, people of color. But if Sri wins, he will be the first person of color to represent the district. He would also be the first Asian American member of Congress from Texas if he wins this race in 2020. Um, he did run back in 2018 as well, so his name may be familiar to you. Um, his background is in national security and his work has taken him around the world. Sri, welcome. I would love for you to briefly introduce yourself to our listeners. Just tell them what I missed. Sure. Well, uh, thank you, Poonam. Thanks for having me back uh, on Wise Up. I really appreciate the work that you're doing to educate people out there, uh, especially with this extremely important election, the, the most important election of our lifetimes in a very literal sense. And so making sure that people come out uh, starting on Tuesday and also letting people know that they can vote from their car. This is something that a lot of people don't realize because it wasn't important up until the pandemic, but you have the right to vote curbside. Um, and so make sure you, if you need that, then their phone number is available that you can call and do that. So just to uh, let everybody know, some of y'all are familiar with our campaign from 2018. I'm Shri Preston Kulkarni, originally from uh, Houston, went to UT Austin, so hook them. Um, also went to Harvard for graduate school later on. I worked in the US Senate uh, doing foreign policy, defense, and veterans affairs. But as you mentioned, uh, as a foreign service officer, I served all over the world, places like Iraq, Israel, Russia, Taiwan, Jamaica. I did countering Russian disinformation back in DC. And I was supposed to be serving overseas right now, but after everything we've seen over the last few years, you know, whether it's attacking Barack Obama's birth certificate, saying that uh, Latinos couldn't be a fair judge, uh, calling to ban all Muslims from the United States. The final straw for me was the Charlottesville Nazi rally. I was overseas and people were asking me, is this controversial in the United States? 
are, are there good people on both sides of this issue? And I said, no, no, they're not. And this doesn't, this doesn't represent us. And so I decided the most patriotic thing to do at that point would be to resign from the Foreign Service, come back home and stand up for the, the country. I think it does represent our values, a country that treats everybody with equality, dignity and respect, regardless of our faith, regardless of our gender, regardless of our race or national origin, what language we speak at home. Uh, and in 2018, uh, we ran the most inclusive campaign ever in Texas, maybe American history. Uh, at that time, we were running campaigning in 15 different languages. Um, we had people from every faith community, the most number of Hindu volunteers ever, the most number of Muslim volunteers ever. Uh, and now in, in 2019, our incumbent dropped out of the race because we got so close uh, within 4.9 points or 14,000 votes. Since then, we've registered 63,000 new people uh, in our district. Uh, it's an open seat now, um, and we are campaigning in 27 different languages. Um, so literally everybody from any background is welcome in our campaign. And I think that's truly the model of how we deal with all this, this hatred, this division that's been spreading across the country. The answer is not to be more angry. The answer is to be more inclusive. And what you're what you're talking about here with you know organizing in different languages and organizing in a way that activates various communities um, we've heard that be called relational organizing and i've actually had a couple of other podcast guests on mention specifically your campaign's work on relational organizing i know that's for people who do campaigns you know that's not something i'm super familiar with so it was a new term to me um, but i know it's been around for a long time but you've been kind of a figurehead for this form of organizing here in Texas. Can you tell our listeners, what does that look like? What, what is the point of relational organizing? Sure, and so just to take a step back, when I resigned from the Foreign Service, I came back, I was just one person out of my cousin's living room in Pearland, and uh, I was told, don't bother with uh, the South Asian community because they don't vote. And the easiest way to lose an election is to talk to people who don't vote. And we said, maybe they don't vote because we don't bother. The easiest way to never get changed is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So we started to recruit people. Um, we, we would go out to all the mandirs, the masjids, uh, the, the churches, um, go out to community centers and recruit volunteers from each one of these communities. And at the beginning, you know, when people would say, oh, do you know this other Indian? I would say, oh, come on, that's racist. And then I realized, actually, we do all know each other. <laughs> and so uh, you find that we would create these, uh, these phone banking lists, these like Guju phone banking lists or Malu or Telugu phone banking lists. And when people start calling, they realize, oh, this is someone I know. This is my cousin. This is my auntie, et cetera. And we would start tagging people. So um, we, we have a very micro-targeted uh, system. Uh, we tag people by language. So, you know, Hindi, Punjabi, Kannada, Marathi, Urdu, we tag them, tag them by faith as well, you know, um, Sikh, Parsi, Jain, uh, Sunni Muslim, Ismaili Muslim, Bori Muslim. It's the most micro-targeted program uh, ever here. And each one of these communities, once we map out the networks, then during early voting, we don't just call and text and knock on doors with these massive text banks. That, that's traditional organizing. The way we do it through relational organizing is that we ask somebody who knows you, to go out and reach out because um, if you get a, a call from a stranger, um, and, and to be honest, even if it's a, someone from your own community who you don't know, at just that first that, that first line, you know, just say for example in Gujarati, if you say Kemcho, even if you, even if you don't speak fluent Gujarati, it makes a huge difference because it means that I see you and I, I know your community, but especially if it's a call from an auntie or an uncle, because the truth is, uh, with all due respect to the uncles, our, our campaign has been powered by aunties. <laughs> They're the ones who make the phone calls. <laughs> Um, so they, they will come out and um, it's, it, you, every volunteer will get an email with their, 
their cousin, their neighbor, their coworker, the people who go to their, their mosque or their temple or their church. Uh, and that's how we were able to double the Asian American turnout here, here in our district in 2018. And uh, we're, we're, we're planning to do even more of that this year. Yeah, you know, I think this is the first time for me, you know, it sounds like your campaign worked on it in 2018, but I think from a national level, we're seeing so much more conversation about a South Asian vote, right? Like, obviously on the data, usually the data shows an Asian vote. And so that's kind of what we can look at for populations. But when we talk about the South Asian vote, um, that is almost like a new term. You know, I, I, I know people really relatively recently that have been like, what is this South Asian versus East Asian thing? What does that even mean? So, you know, and I think part of it is um, where we, the fact that we've found data to show that South Asians can actually have influence, particularly in a district like yours, where there's quite a strong South Asian population. You know, I've, I've had other podcast guests say, you know, if, if the South Asian community came out and voted, that'd probably tip the election in their district. So that's how powerful the vote has become at the same time, the South Asian vote isn't homogenous, right? South Asia is a collection of various countries of origin, various languages, various religions. And, you know, I think some people still have some connections to quote unquote back home uh, politics, you know, and they, they might have some connections to old tensions. Um, you can see that in communities that are, you know, very interested in the Palestine-Israel conflict or, you know, people get very fixated on kind of back, I'm saying quote unquote back home because I think a lot of us would be like, hey, my home is America, right? But people do sometimes keep up with politics internationally and that can um, bring up some, some tension. So when we look at the South Asian umbrella, what are you doing? What have you done to address that? Sure. So, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, you know, no community is a monolith. And, you know, I talked to other candidates who said, I reached out to the Asian community before. And I said, okay, the Asian community, who, who, are, who is the Asian community? What's an Asian voter? And they said they paid for all these phone banks. And I said, did you ever visit, you know, a temple or a mosque? Do you know somebody who speaks that language? You have volunteers? And I said, no. And I said, well, you, you wasted your money then. And, and it's funny because sometimes people talk about Asian voters. Other times people have asked me about uh, Southeast Asian voters, because they're trying to combine South and East Asian. And I, I try to explain to them, well, actually, Southeast Asia is a different area as well. And South Asia by itself is uh, pretty diverse. You know, they'll ask me, uh, do you speak Indian, for example? And I say, right, no. Right. no, actually, we, we have uh, many, many official languages in India. And so I think uh, the, the, that's the whole point is that these communities are so diverse. And so when we started, I realized there, there wasn't, you know, a South Asian community. There wasn't even an Indian community. There was all these different organizations. There's a Telugu Cultural Association, a Gujarati Samaj, a Maharashtra Mandal. You know, there's Pakistani Doctors Association and multiple ones of them. There's, there's Bangladeshi groups, you know, and there's Bengali groups. And so all of these different groups and understanding the, the, the complex uh, nature between um, the, the national origin, you know, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, or Nepalese, um, the, the, the language issues. So there's, there's Malayalis, some, some of whom are Christian, some of whom are Hindu and, and uh, you know, some, 
some Ismailis speak Urdu, some Ismailis speak Gujarati, uh, all of these different groups. So it took a lot of time uh, going to all of these different associations, uh, all these different groups, and uh, tr- spending time uh, listening in particular, not just talking, but actually trying to understand what the different concerns were and what were the things that were particular to each community and then what were the things that unite us. So there's, there's, there are some common cultural values across all these different groups, in particular, uh, placing an emphasis on education, first and foremost, um, which uh, is extremely important this year because so many kids across the country don't have access to a proper education because of the pandemic. But even before that, one of the big issues was, uh, was gun violence, right? So we had a mass shooting in Santa Fe right outside of my district. Um, there was a, a Pakistani girl who, w- who was killed there. And our, I, was, I was at the funeral and it's, it's, it's the most heartbreaking thing uh, to, to deal with a, a child being killed. And the, the families, you know, these parents out here in the suburbs, the reason they move here is because of these schools and they asked me do something, please do something about th- this issue because I want, I want my kids to be, to be stressed out because of their SATs. I don't want them to be stressed out because they're doing a, a mass shooting drill. And uh, by that same token, there's an emphasis on health. We have so many physicians and nurses that are working in the Texas Medical Center. They're the ones who are out there every single day right now on the front lines dealing with coronavirus and also dealing with all this misinformation and this disinformation, attacking nurses and doctors. Or a, one physician told me a couple of weeks ago, he said the first time in his career, he diagnosed a patient and they said, oh, you're just trying to pad your numbers because you don't like the president. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, th- this is uh, very critical to our community. And so these kind of things that, that unite us, you know, kind of, uh, focus on, on health, the focus on, on education and, and that, that focus on the community itself. We're much more tightly knit because our, especially our parents' generation who came here as immigrants, um, they, they, they know each other, they, they're, um, they're very connected to the community. And during the pandemic, they, they need that connection even more strongly. And so we try to, try to think of this not just as a campaign to win an election on November 3rd, but think of it as the largest community organizing project we've ever had here. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that, that you talked about there, you hit on a, a lot of, um, you know, really important points. One of them is, as a South Asian candidate, you almost have an expectation to, under, to understand every different South Asian community um, in your district, right? Which I think South Asians admittedly would say, I don't know everything about other South Asian cultures. You know, I just ate a Nepalese Momo the other day. They are delicious. They're like Nepalese dumplings. Super good, um, but I had never had one growing up, right? Like that wasn't something that I that I ate growing up. But my Nepalese friends do, and so, anyways, as South Asians, we we don't necessarily know everything about each other's communities. So, as a South Asian candidate, how how has that been for you, having to maybe build bridges, navigate, learning about other people's interests and cu- culture in a way that maybe you didn't before? No, so honestly, it's been one of the um, most enjoyable parts for me. So I will go uh, in, a, in a typical weekend, I will go to a, a Jumma at, at a mosque. Um, you know, I will go to a, a mandir for, um, for, for some kind of a Hindu event. I will go to a church. Um, sometimes I will go to a Gurdwara. Um, uh, I will go to a Jamatkana for Ismailis and, or a Jain temple. Or we have the, the first uh, Atashka Day, which is the Parsi fire temple. 
um, ever in North America. And I've been learning so much. And, and you mentioned food. It's really nice to be able to go to all of these uh, different communities. And so many, when I, when I would go knock on doors, it was actually hard because I wanted to knock on as many doors as possible. But when these aunties would see me, they'd always invite me in and they try to feed me. And so I'd be stuck in one house for 30 minutes while they talk to me, they give me chai and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get through all my, my block walking, you know, but, um, but, but I, I, I really did appreciate that because I, I learned so much and, and some of that I can also share with other people in the community. As he said, diversity is actually, diversity is who we are. You can live next door to somebody, but inclusion is what we do. It's reaching out to those communities, listening to them and making sure that they feel that they have, they have a voice. And so that, that we're trying to be the most inclusive campaign ever in American history. That's our goal. So we've got a couple more minutes. I want to make sure I, we've, we've talked a lot about South Asian culture and the South Asian coalition, um, you know, some difficulties in, in creating that coalition and what you've done to work on that. Um, I would say compared to our other podcasts, this one will have more people Googling like, oh, what is that? I need to learn about these places of worship. I need to learn about these languages. But I do want to ask you kind of the more general question of if you were in Congress, how does life get better for Texans? What is, what is number one and two on your platform? Sure. So uh, number one has to be dealing with the coronavirus. It impacts everything in our society, our education, our economy, and of course, our health and our lives. So um, we, we need to make sure that we, uh, we first of all, we, we're wearing masks, right? And it's, it's not a matter of right versus left or Republican versus Democrat. It's just a matter of respect for other people in the community and especially your family members, because you're most likely to transmit coronavirus to your own family members. My mom, is 68 years old, she lives with me, and I, I couldn't bear the thought of infecting her. And, and it shouldn't be a political issue. My opponent in this race, he's a sheriff who said that masks are communist and un-American. And, and I, I say that this is the most American thing we could do is actually, it, it's patriotic actually, to, to try and save the lives of your fellow Americans. Uh, secondly, we need to get personal protective equipment out to our frontline workers. That includes nurses. I've talked to nurses in the past week who still don't have proper personal protective equipment more than six months into the pandemic. But there's also teachers who are going back to school and they're having, just like they have to buy school supplies, they're having to buy their own personal protective equipment to make sure the classroom is safe, which is also unconscionable. And then thirdly, we need to have rapid testing, meaning um, if you get tested and you don't get your results for seven to 10 days, you can't go back to work during that time. So it's not really sustainable. We need to make sure that just like we have in our hospitals, testing within a few hours, we have rapid testing across our society because that's what's gonna get our businesses up and running. So that's the other thing. We need to make sure that we revitalize our economy. We need to have targeted relief for, uh, for sectors that have been hit really hard, a lot of which the South Asian community is in. So for example, hotels, I think almost every hotel around here is owned by a Guju or, or probably just a Patel. <laughs> and so we need, we need to have targeted relief for the hospitality industry, for the food service industry. We own lots of restaurants. Uh, and we need to make sure that we have support for those small businesses, those entrepreneurs who come here, a lot of whom are immigrants, um, and they're trying to make a better life for their families. Uh, it's been very difficult from this year. So get that loan forgiveness and then give them startup tax credits uh, once we get past the pandemic to, to get allow them to scale up properly. Um, and then uh, the other thing is broader than just the pandemic. Before this, the number one issue we had was healthcare, and. Uh, my family, for example, uh, when I was 18 years old, my dad got sick with acute myelocytic leukemia. I had to drop out of University of Texas, come home and take care of him, do his IVs, his physical therapy, take him back and forth to MD Anderson. And when he passed away, I was 19 years old. 
my family was on the point of bankruptcy, taking donations just to stay afloat. I had to work my way through school and help raise my three younger siblings. That's still the number one cause of bankruptcy today. And this year, during the pandemic, 650,000 Texans have lost their health care. And at the same time, there's still a lawsuit by Texas Republicans to take away health care from millions of more people by, by striking down the Affordable Care Act. It's going to be heard the week after the election. And if, you, if we take away protection for pre-existing conditions. That means everybody with diabetes, everybody with heart disease, but it also means everybody with coronavirus now has a pre-existing condition and Texas has the second largest number of cases and deaths for coronavirus. So I think it's unconscionable that people are trying to take away healthcare during a pandemic. Instead, we should be strengthening and expanding the Affordable Care Act. So th those would be my top priorities. And I guess the one last thing I would add is money and politics. Um, the fact that we have to spend so much of our time raising money means that we don't have that time to work on all these problems. So one of the first things that I'm going to fight for when I get to Washington is publicly financed campaigns. So I want to give you just one more minute to tell us your message for our followers. You know, Wise of Texas is probably a great example of a South Asian coalition. Our board itself is very diverse. Um, Hindus and Muslims together on our board. So what is your message for our Wise Up Texas listeners that are tuning in? So my message is this. I, I talked to a lot of people in our community, in the Desi community in 2016, some of which were kind of apathetic about the election. This year, I don't think anybody can be apathetic. I mean, we know that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. We're facing the pandemic of 1918. We're facing the unemployment of the 1930s, uh, the struggle for racial equality of the 1960s, all in the same election. And as you mentioned earlier, we, we can be that difference, especially in the places that matter the most, the suburbs, where the suburbs where our communities go out because of those good schools. That, that's what's gonna make the difference. These suburbs around Houston, these suburbs around Dallas, where the population is growing so fast and, and our community has a huge impact. We, we, we can be the margin of victory in Texas 22 and other places like this around the country. And we have to be because I mean, this is what we're facing. We're, we're fighting for the education of our children. We're, we're fighting for our economy right now. And we're, we're literally fighting for our lives. If, if we don't participate in this election, uh, I don't even know if we're going to have a democracy anymore because there are threats to our ability to even vote, Ta taking away postal machines, dismantling high-speed sorting machines just so that people won't be able to vote. Last year, uh, they tried to take 100,000 people off the voting rolls just because they weren't citizens 20 years ago. My cousin got here when she was two years old. She wasn't a citizen 20 years ago. And so th this, honestly, this is for everything everything in our society. If, if you care about education, if you care about the economy, if you care about our lives, and if you care about the right to participate in a democracy, we need every single person from our community to come out starting on Tuesday. And if you live in the Houston area, we're going to have early voting days. We're going to have a, an Indian American early voting day, a Pakistani American early voting day, a Bangladeshi, as well as like Guju voting days and Telugu voting days. Every single community, they should, they should come out to vote because this is the most important election of our lifetimes and we have to act like it. Well, that is our interview for today. Thank you for being here with us. Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization, but we welcome interviews with candidates and political leaders who want to reach out to our South Asian followers. Wise Up Texas does not endorse any candidates or political party. You can find a recording of this podcast on most platforms where podcasts are available and select episodes will air on Radio Azad in DFW. Thanks for listening, get educated, get wiser, and start giving a hoot with Wise Up Texas.